tonight's Miracle Nutrition with Hardy Wide. With your host, Hardy Wide. I'm Hardy Wide. Hardy's guest tonight, my guest tonight, Butchie Spinoza, Lou Register, Don Bourgeoisie, the Hardy Wide Players, Tra- uh, Tragedy Comedy, uh, hey, Bob Hope or something. Let's skip skip to the end. Cut it. All right. Golf swing. Oh, hello, everybody. It's so good to see you tonight. Before we get started, I would like to do a little housekeeping. Now, that's embarrassing because I should have swept up before we press record. Uh, but I'm going to do a little uh, housekeeping. Here's a tip. Don't mix ammonia and bleach. Unless you're making some sort of gas bomb or anything, then you can mix anything you want. Don't let me tell you what chemicals to mix. When I was a young person, I received a chemical set, chemistry set. I don't know what they call but it was a kit with a bunch of different chemicals in little bottles and some test tubes and uh, I think a slingshot for breaking the test tubes from a distance so you could mix things that blew up. That's what I thought. So I, my friend and I took all the chemicals. We opened them all up and we dumped them into a pit in a field. And then, I don't know, we threw something in and ran. And nothing happens, which is great. I'm so glad nothing happened. They probably thought ahead. Well, let's put these two volatile things in there. No, because Hardy and his friend Ted are going to do something stupid. So they thought about it a little bit. They thought about the consequences of their actions. They probably did it more out of the fear of being sued than they did compassion uh, for little Hardy and little Tedador. But I'm not sure. Anyway, it got done. And that's good, thinking ahead. Oh, my goodness, have you seen this? Have you seen this in the news? Uh, Human beings have the power of great creation and great uh, destruction. They can be creative or destructive in uh, a way, a scope that is sometimes inconceivable. Isn't that amazing? Oh, what wonderful creatures. Just don't make them mad. I find this to be uh, a fascinating thing, and I try not to be fearful about it because fear, oh my goodness, can you imagine that mixed with one of those? Well, I don't know, fear and creativity. What does that give you? That gives you, well, gives me the ability to lie quickly on my feet, I think. Um, and that's true, isn't it? Those, that's the two things you, you put together in the chemistry set. Let's put them in the test tube and see what happens. You could probably do more destruction in your kitchen, mixing things that shouldn't be mixed. Like if something is, I don't think you're supposed to mix sweet and savory. I hate to tell that to half of the world cuisines. No, I think you can meet. If you mix umami and uh, salty with sweet and bitter, and then you take the bitter out, how would you take the bitter out? Well, the way I eliminate bitterness is loss, memory loss. So I find that the more that I forget, the sort of more, uh, the less resentful I am. So that forgive and forget. They go hand in hand, I believe. It's forgive, forget. So that's how that aids me in my forgiveness. Hopefully I get over things by just not remembering them. 
it certainly works with grief for me. I'd say, oh, it's, I'm finding it now, 40 years later, a lot easier to deal with my grandfather's death, 45 years. It took that. But now I'm like, oh, you know, I feel like the shock is over, as is most of my life. So I'm glad that that happened. But you never, maybe you never truly get over things. Oh, things leave their mark on us in the form of memories. And all these beautiful, sensitive souls that are humans are walking around with all sorts of things carved onto the inside of their skin, metafiguratively. I made that word up. I probably didn't. Oh, there is and there isn't nothing new under the sun. There's no new ingredients, really. But it seems to me that every time they're combined, that's new. So it depends what you call new. Partially owned. I bought new uh, eyeglass or sunglass frames on the Internet that are from the 50s. They've just never been opened because they were always ugly or ill-fitting. And so, to this day, there are intact packages of things that you can buy that are new, but they're old. So their newness and their oldness at some point is a paradox. Where is it? Is it new or is it old? What What do those words mean? Words mean what we give, the meaning we give to them. And I like to change it up mid-sentence. I find that I do that, sometimes inadvertently. So that's not what I mean. I find that that happens when people aren't agreeing with me. I say, well, that's obviously you don't know what I mean. That's what I, I tend to say that sometimes. No, I'd never say that. I think it. But I, I've seen others say it. So, oh, you, you, surely you must misunderstand. No, I'm... I saw that happen when someone was arguing with Satan. And they're like, surely you misunderstand. And Satan just kept saying, no, I'm Satan. (laughs) I get your point. I just respectfully, uh, violently, cruelly disagree. So that happens. Uh, I've never gotten in an argument with Satan. Can you imagine that Hasatan, the advocate, the lawyer, a a mythical demonic lawyer beast? Middle Eastern lawyer beast from the, our, our deep uh, religious history. Oh, that's wonderful. I don't run into too many of those. I've had demons in my dreams before, and they're, oh, I want to ask them questions. And they're going, you're not scared enough. And I go, I'm scared. I'm just getting over my, my curiosity sometimes outstrips my scaredness. Besides, if I had a dream like that one time, and it was the demons were there, and, and they were like, you're, you're, act a little more scared, you keep asking questions, and I think, well, if I am in hell and you're about to rip me apart, you know, I'm making the best of it. Uh, I'm going to, I'm loose curious, you know, what are you guys going to do? That kind of thing. 007 used to do that all the time. You know, just out of curiosity, how are you going to cut me up, Mr. Goldthumber, Goldfinger? Goldthumb, I almost called him. One of the, is your, your thumb is a finger. So he might have been born Goldthumb and then thought, I don't like that name. Because a lot of times those names were, are um, Austrian Jewish names that were imposed on people. They were given names of objects, uh, like diamond or, or something. Did you know this? Oh, I read that one time. I, was, I have a, a, a friend, uh, rest her soul, 
may her memory be a blessing, who is a Holocaust survivor, and she was uh, Austrian, and she was telling me about her family, and they had a their last name, uh, her mother's last name was Butterfly in German, and I guess that came from the last century of stripping uh, Jewish people of patronyms so they couldn't be Ben something, like, you know, so-and-so Ben Stein. No, that's not a, you know, Ben, son of. Uh, like in Iceland, you go, oh, Mrs. Robinson is son of Robbins. Mrs. is the first name. Robin is Mrs. father. Robin's daughter. I don't know. I don't know how patronyms work. But anyway, I was talking with this, uh, my Holocaust survivor friend, and she told me that, and many other things. Oh, it's wonderful to speak with other people about their experience being a human, because you'll find it's uh, wonderful. And what does it do? Well, first of all, a lot of times it fills me with great fear and sadness. So I go, how do I overcome that? You know, I can't tell somebody, so could you just, just tell me the good parts? And so I have to have strategies with dealing with extreme sadness or, or, or grief. And, uh, oh, those are changing all the, what are they? You're excited because you think, oh, this fellow's going to give me one of the secrets of being a human. I don't mean to tease. I'm sorry. I'm actively looking uh, how not to be crushed by sadness in life, how to love without consequence, because the minute you love and care, you know that loss is the part of that deal. I think a lot, a lot of those things, natural truth, sometimes are based on scams from my youth. For instance, there would be ads in magazines that I liked that said, for a penny or a dime, we're going to send you 10 albums all right, any 10 albums you want out of this 50. And then, after that, you're going to agree to buy albums from me, album, painting album, for in perpetuity. Uh, an agreed time, contractual time, years and years. So you just, at our price, inflated. So isn't that a good deal? So you know going, you should know going into it. You have been told, oh, man, what is a scam? But I'm not saying love is a scam. I'm just saying uh, love, which we cannot do without, like nourishment, comes with this terrible price, doesn't it? I like to feed people. Gosh, that's one thing we all need. I don't think there's anybody alive who doesn't need something to eat. And here's the thing, though. I want to feed and nourish people, so I have to pay attention to what food they want. Now, I would love to just give them <coughs> whatever food I have on hand. <coughs> and usually, pardon me, that's all I can give them. But that doesn't do them any good if they don't like it or can't eat it. And if my goal is to feed them, not just to have people say, buy my pork sandwich, then I've got to adjust. If my goal is to get them nourished and fed, then I 
need to try to provide something that'll do that. Now, maybe it won't be their favorite thing. Maybe it won't be a feast. Maybe it'll be like a bowl of rice or the equivalent. But see, if my goal is nourishment, then I have to pay attention to their needs. Now, I could ignore it completely. Let's say I had a pork chop stand and I say, if you're not interested, go away. And I would turn away the hungry right and left and I'd say, I'm very sorry, I just can't help you. It's very clear what I have to offer. And those who love it will be delighted. But see, that's, that's another goal. That's fine. But if you're setting out to feed, you must be sensitive to the needs of those you wish to satisfy. Oh, my friend, when you come to me, I try to give you something like this radio program. Now, I don't know precisely well, what you want. I'm trying to find out what I can give you that won't make you throw up or you spit it out. Now, I can't imagine this happens in entertainment sometimes. I tell you a joke, and you take that joke in your mouth. You add saliva to it and chew it and form a bolus. You form a bolus of information, which you either swallow or maybe you regurgitate because the bolus tastes like potty. You say, I don't want this. It's repulsive to me. Is there something else you can give me? And I have to understand that uh, you didn't spit me out. You spit out chewed up pork sandwich. So, that, and then when I looked in that chewed up pork sandwich, I saw something. I saw my own face. And, I, and, that, and it's talked to me. And it said, Hardy, do your best. And don't be, don't be afraid to, uh, the, of the numbers. And I said, what does that mean? So, and I, I said, what does that mean, not be afraid of the numbers? And, and then, so I will explain. And then there was a 500-page book that explained uh, what the voice meant is that don't be afraid of other people. Don't be afraid to keep track of those around you. Don't try to hide. People are powerful. You must keep track of them. You must make sure they're nourished and loved because you don't want them to turn into something destructive. Now, we use that sometimes, that destructive force in humans. We say, well, let's put it to good use, and we cultivate it, and we cultivate all the powerful things that they can do when their fear is turned to anger or it's turned to something, uh, uh, a power. Now, you can use that, and you can use it to do great things. Oh, my gosh, create entire industries. And I'm not saying I don't like to see people punch each other into the face until they're unconscious and then have uh, health problems years later and complicate their lives and others ruin their lives and all the lives of those who love them. I know that's fun. But I also recognize that if you really want to change things, you must open your eyes and face all those faces, and we're so scared of one another. I am terrified. I'm surrounded by 
human beings who every day demonstrate their capacity for monstery. Is that <laughs> monstrosity is different? You know, being monstrous. And uh, that's you know that'll scare you back inside a little bit. And then I see even the timid are afraid of one another. I feel that when I go out sometimes, I think, oh, everybody's sort of like, just sort of afraid to even, except very old people are like, I'm going to ask you right there to help me. <laughs> they do that to me all the time. I'm going, oh, yay. You got nothing to lose, do you, old timer? No, get over here, reach out for me. So that's a great, that's a very liberating. I'm going to die tomorrow. So I don't care. Go ahead. I love you. Love you. Get that for me. Love you. Appreciate you. Get the can. So that's nice. Uh, very little. To, I love that about li very little children when I'm at the store. And they'll just look up at you and, you know, hi. Hi. And I remember that feeling when I see them of being new here. And just like sort of having your parents be a template. For all the rest of the people go, everybody's mom. Everybody must be mama. Kind of. Just different looking, you know. They must be equally excited to see me. I'm new. I'm a baby. Hi. Say hi, little baby. What are you doing in your face? Uh, and uh, eventually they want you to get used to being here. You're going to need to acclimate because there's jobs. So you have to, you know, you can't. They stop cutting you slack. At what age? Well, that depends. You can see the child in people, though, years into their adulthood, and then in their even in their senescence, it lurks wonderfully. You say, oh, it never really went away. Even in the you know, even in the in the face of of the of the wicked, you know, lies a lies a child there buried, and you go wonder. It's complicated. <laughs> Maybe no one thing happened. You know, it could be anything. We never know. You get, are you, have you been, someone was cruel to you? Or you got hit on the head. Or you come from a family of hit on the headers. And there's nothing you can do about it. I wonder. I wonder about these things because I am in a constant state of wondering. And the reason I'm in a constant state of wondering because wondering is like looking. And looking is like being aware. And being aware is like counting. Counting us all. I know we're here. I was in the place of many souls. And I know that we dispersed and we came here. And we promised ourselves when we were one that we would find each other and look out for one another. And so I recognize you from the other world. And perhaps you have forgotten. And you have become lost. And now you wander in your fear, and you wander and you use a power given to you, but you don't know how to wield it, and so you destroy and you kill, but then you build and then you wreck what you build, and then you love and then you hurt. And then you fear again. Well, I'm telling you, I also forgot what we talked about. So please excuse me and I will show myself out now. And I'm embarrassed that I spoke so loudly. Please, I didn't mean to get your attention so efficiently. I uh, wish I had something else to tell you. Okay, just to do some housekeeping. Uh, uh, we will allow cameras. You can photograph your student after the award ceremony. Uh, but during, we ask you that you restrain yourself. We're making a videotape that'll never be available to anybody, but it's there to placate you just so you don't interrupt with your flash photography. 
Now, I would like to introduce myself and the students who will be giving the awards. And what are the awards for? Oh, right now, you are sitting, not just at the, I thought you said, oh, I heard, I thought I was at the Tonight Show audience. You are. You're in the Tonight Show audience. They've just laughed or not reacted to anything I've said yet, which is fine. No judgment. I don't know. If I, if I was a, a stand-up comic and I went on stage and I received no laughs, I would try to be, you know, understanding about it. Not sanguine, but, you know, just like, hey, I think it's okay. You know, that's what they felt. That's what they felt. And uh, I, I, it was my, my expectations are what's messed up, right? Not them. Not going to blame them. Okay, Matt, wasn't the laughing out loud kind of comedy. Could you imagine if I, what if I did do that? I was going, tonight's, we're on the Ha Ha Club. I got tickets to Ha Ha's and Hardy White's there, and I've heard, it's a name I've heard of. So I get there, and you take your, you take your date, and you go, this is going to be funny. Get ready to laugh. Get ready to laugh. Does he do Hot Pockets? I don't think he does Hot Pockets, but he does a lot of other. So, and you get ready. And then I get up there, and I start talking about the, the nature of the human heart. And, uh. Or I start talking, I tell a story about being lonely as a child. And there's no funny part. And then after a while, maybe you get a little restless. I don't know whether you walk out or you heckle me. Make me feel like, oh, I don't want to heckle. Because Hardy was just talking about the consequences of that kind of thing. Man, you let your... Every time that I have let my anger out at someone, I should have had a BB gun. And just gone ahead and shot him with a BB gun. You know, not in a lethal way. Well, it still do a lot of damage. Because then I would have had an idea of the consequences of that. Because, you know, words feel like they don't do anything. That they're not going to put your eye out. But words absolutely put your eye out. They words, they sting. They are both, they are bees and they are words. Right? Deborah? They're the same thing. And they come out and they can make honey or they can inject poison. It depends on their, on their feelings, on how uh, fearful they are or how hopeful. And you can make the world with them. The word world has the word word in it. And then there's the extra L is for living. You're living in the world. <laughs> I just make, I'm making myself laugh because I'm, there's, a, there's a minister out there going, I'm gonna do that one. You're living in the word, that's the world. And maybe I haven't heard it or something. That sounds terrible. I was just being, I was just making a joke. So don't anybody write that down. So I'm putting that on my inspirational calendar. No, no, Hardy was, Hardy was being wicked. But words are powerful, aren't they? I have helped and I have hurt with them. And I'm not sure that my helping with them, I know that it's easier to hurt with them. You don't always think you've done it efficiently. You, a lot of times when you want to hurt with your words, you do it and you go, that didn't seem to do anything. You go, oh, you're going to go back and do it again, aren't you? Because you thought it didn't have any effect. Now, that's the worst kind of thing, really. You ever done that with instructions or something? I don't think I heated it long enough. Oh, yeah, you did. 
You just gotta wait a minute. There's enough in there. Don't put any more lighter fluid on there. There's plenty. You gotta give it time. But oh yes, you did start a fire. You did you know, launch an ember. Just because it's not a raging inferno right now doesn't mean that you didn't start a fire. So trust those sparky, fiery words. They do everything that you want them to do. So I've tried to hurt that person with my words. It's not working. Oh, isn't it? You know, it might not be working the way you think it is. And what about your words of kindness? I've tried to help people with my words. It doesn't always, or I've tried to be kind. That too is not obvious always. You know, it's a, it's, I don't know how, I don't know what to compare it to because I'm an impatient person and most of my hobbies are, are just like a lot of immediate gratification. But I know there's some things. Oh, I guess like breaking bread or something. You know, you do have to let it rise overnight. It's not rising. I put the wheat, I put, you know, oh, you could do that. Okay, that's a good idea. Do that one, Hardy. You could put the yeast in and you go, it's not rising, it's not rising. And it's like, well, you're, I'll put more yeast in. Now you're going to ruin it. Right? Now, 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 now it sounds nasty. Now it's not going to do what you want it to do. You need to understand the power of the yeast and how it works and how it works over time. Oh, I don't always understand the things I'm telling you. I don't know how a carrot works, but I still I serve them up, right? And I'm, I'm hoping that it's something that'll nourish you. What's in it? What vitamins? I could tell you what I've been told, but I don't know for sure. I've never seen them hurt anybody, but you could be allergic to carrots. So I'm going to ask you, what would you like? List the things you'd like and list a lot of them because I'm probably going to get something from down at the bottom because I might not have the thing you want the most. And I've, I've, I've run into that in uh, this radio situation. It's like I might not have everything that they expect. Have they ever been in a restaurant that only has a couple things on the menu? And then you can talk me into making something else. Is how it goes, kind of. Oh, but if you walked in, I was in a restaurant recently, and it was sort of high-end. It was a special occasion. And I wasn't going to lie or pretend it wasn't a special occasion. Sometimes those high-end restaurants, you can tell who has the real money because they're wearing um, shorts and flip-flops as a way of, like, you know, this isn't special, so we're not going to get dressed up. But, man, I put on my on my Jed Clampett Sunday go to meetings. So I look... So they always, you know, the, the server will always say something like, have you ever been to a nice restaurant before? No, it's my first time. Please tell me what is the menu. And they'll do that. It's nice. It's nice. It's a sweet condescension that I'm okay with because it's true. You know, it isn't something I, I don't eat there all the time. And even some of the fancier, fanciest foods that you have I might not even want. Right? So I'm at, what do you have... Today, oh well, we have uh, we have the eyeballs of a mythical creature. We we have grilled wings of an angel. I go, oh, those are all sound rare and wonderful. But you know, how's it? Is there a, like a grilled cheese or something that's but it's done really well? That might have you know, tome de savoir. I know that's not really a grilled cheese cheese. Something. Oh, I know it'd be good. Uh, Conte. Could I have a grilled cheese? On and make the bread uh, like brioche with the conte, and then some maybe just a schmear 
of mustard. You make you, you guys make your own mustard? No, we have, but we have. I have some great poop on me. All right, I would have that, and um, and fries. Everyone has fries. The highest end restaurants in the world have fries. They might, you know, God knows what they'll charge for them, but they'll probably have them. I wonder. Maybe not another. I don't know of other countries. Everybody secretly has fries, even if they pretend they don't. Like if you go anywhere and you go, oh, that doesn't seem like something you could get in Thailand or something. They'd go, psst, come on, come here. You know, we, this is like we have a uh, like a yum, like a salad thing, but it's just got fries on it. And beef. It's called the American. I had a sandwich like that one time in uh, France. They had a hamburger place and they had one called the American. And I was like, oh, I'm American. But it was French fries were on the hamburger. Under the bun. Isn't that strange? Maybe it's not strange. I don't know, but I've, I've lived here a long time. And I've never even seen anybody do that, like, at a fast food place or something. I'm going to go ahead and put them all together. There's something about having them separately, like that. But they uh, eventually, oh, no, no, they dumped them all on there. I go, well, all right. Then you people, you people stick your, your roast beef sandwich in grease. There you go. French, you French dip. If that's an American, then I'm making up a sandwich that's stupid that has your name on it. <laughs> Is that like a, I'm a 70s comedian. I could do it. I could do it. I was watching old Johnny Carson's. I call them that. I know it's a Tonight Show, but I wanted to distinguish it between, you say, oh, you mean Jack Parr? That's what people think. And you go, no, no, Johnny Carson. He, was, he came after Jack Parr and before... Whoever does it now. I don't know who does it now. I don't think anybody, I think it's, it might still be on, but nobody does it. But um, I was watching his old Johnny Carson, so you see the jokes he does, and they're all about the, the, the era, right? So it was 19, the year, 1990. He's like, have you seen this? Uh, Russia got a Baskin Robbins, but it only has two flavors. Now, first of all, I remember that uh, there was a joke from years ago. I've been around since Basket Robin, not two flavors. I heard that from Danny and the Tunesman in the Fort Lauderdale uh, bar circuit in the 70s. But he, he meant it for real. It's a news story. They only, have, they only have chocolate and vanilla. So that was true, I guess. And then he said, uh, yeah, they, they do scientific things well there, but not uh, consumer things so well. Their Thomas's English muffin have nooks, but no crannies. He said that was one of the jokes. And then he said, the hit TV show there is One Peak. That took me a minute because I guess the joke really should have been Single Peak for Twins, Twin Peaks. So that was 1990. Twin Peaks is on. He didn't make any cop rock jokes yet. So that tells me maybe it, wasn't, it was springtime and not fall because that's a fall 90 show, I think. So he didn't, uh, you know, you can tell what, it's very scary knowing what happens. You know, uh, um, I was watching one from 1980 and the, the late Dorothy Stratton was on and she'd be dead in months. And I'm watching them go, you don't, you're going to be dead in months. Run, run from 1980. You know, watching people's fates, you know what the ending is. And there you are watching. That was totally, that's totally different than watching it when it first airs. 
because then you think like you're in the know. I know the most recent things now. I'm watching the I'm watching the Tonight Show. I know it was filmed at five o'clock earlier today, but here I am with the rest of the world. I'm watching it, and for the first time, we're gonna say I want to see what Suzanne Plachette has to say about what she puts on when she gets home. What a robe is the answer. Things like that. But I know, the, and, and I'll look up when I see people, I go, well, I wonder what year they died. I remember seeing Lee Van Cleef there for his first and only appearance in the early 80s. And he's like, I'm on a new show called The Master. I play a ninja. And I go, oh, you were in the movie. Oh, Angel Eyes. And then that's it. You know, I go, oh, he was dead months later, a year later or something. It's really strange to see that. We are here, and then we are gone. And uh, oh, everything in between, um, lots of chaos. And I've been trying to navigate it with my calm self so that I may do the most good and the least harm. And I realize I am wrecking everything as I go through life. And this is my choice to speak words to you is like every all the bees coming out of my mouth i got to make sure that they don't hurt you that they're all honeybees that one of them isn't going to mistake you for like make a mistake because that happens all the time I inadvertently hurt someone it's it can be easy now uh those who are intimidated by this way of being aware would say i, I shouldn't have to care whether it hurts somebody that's their problem I'm saying it's not. That ultimately, it's it's not it's not immoral, but <laughs> it's going to come back to haunt you. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is that uh, uh, I don't know that there's spooky punishment for not being kind or aware, but there is uh, pretty immediate ramifications and consequences. And I just think that there's a conspiracy against consequences, against seeing them, that we're going to pretend they're not there. And I felt that way with Mr. Snuffleupagus. I felt Mr. Snuffleupagus, I could see him. Big Bird can see him. Therefore, other people can see him. They're just, they don't want to. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with it. They're afraid of the possibility of Snuffleupagus. And so they can't. And only the vulnerable can see Mr. Snuffleupagus. And you've got to, op you've got to open your heart a bit. Otherwise, you'll be terrified. I'm not sure why. But, you know, isn't that something? And the whole time, the... the Big Bird has saved you because you've hurt Snuffleupagus by not seeing him. No creature wants to be alienated or despised by their kind. That is the worst fate. And so if Mr. Snuffleupagus is unseen by anyone or his existence is not acknowledged, he is feared into invisibility. That is a tragedy that will affect Sesame Street. When 
the vulnerable kindness and compassion of Big Bird sees the uh, giant woolly mammoth that has an adenoid, adenoidal problems, or just sinus, just a sinus problem. Big Bird. And I could see how that'd be annoying, but if your nose, if your nose is the size of a just a huge pork loin or something, you'd think it's gonna be give you troubles. They say that about the dinosaurs that had very long throats. You go, oh, there's all sorts of things that can go wrong because it's so big. Imagine that creature having a sore throat. Oh, I miss that type of that type of humor. Um, it, it's. It's okay. Like, I feel like it's okay to mock dinosaurs because they've been gone. It's not going to get back to them. So I wouldn't make fun, really, to their face or anything. But I've thought about the consequences there, and I go, oh, I don't know. But there are some little kids that really super like dinosaurs, so I'd be, I would be sensitive to that. Think of that. Is it so important of you to make that joke that you're willing um, to tear the heart out of a, a gentle little child that loves a stegosaurus or something? Now, you think going around like that would make you some sort of go, oh, it's like a, a giant not stepping on a bug or something. You'd be paralyzed trying not to ever destroy life. I have found that I am able to do and say lots of things and still uh, maintain some sort of awareness of the, uh, the hearts and the feelings and of others and uh, the, the humanness of others. And uh, sometimes I do make excuses so I don't have to notice. Because once you notice, you do feel, there you go, it's in your brain. It's a memory. And you must reckon with your memories. And even the Bible says that. So you walk by something and you say, you know Louis lost a thing. And there's Louis's glove. And you're in a hurry. And you would like to not have to bother with that and get Louis's glove unstuck from that thing. But you know it's his. And you know that, you know, you could pretend you didn't see it. And we go around lots of pretending we don't see things. And then they live in there anyway. But now they're invisible. They're invisible, but they're still living there. So maybe it's best to acknowledge them. And so there are no invisible elephants in your mind palace. <laughs> the invisible mind palace elephant. That's my new uh, series that's on, Hardy. Oh, well, yeah, welcome to the show. My first guest is myself. Myself has been doing a lot of things recently, none of which come to fruition. And that's because my next guest thinks that there's too much fruit of our labors in the world and that some uh, uh, labor should be fruitless. Tell us about your uh, fruitless, pointless uh, labor, Hardy. Oh, I'd th First of all, it's great to see you. You look great because I can't see you. And so that's always a good thing. So I know you look great, and I want you to feel like you do. I am working on a project right now, and it probably won't see the light of day. And one of the reasons is because it's a darkness project. It's a project that can only take place in the dark. And so I need to do it not only at nighttime, but in a special dark room, and then... Here's the other thing. Nobody can be there. No sensory device. It takes place in complete darkness and isolation. And I'm going to be frank with you. I don't even know where it's happening. It could be happening on the other side of the universe. I try not to know. And that way I can't mess it up. There'd be no, the, 
The experiment won't be contaminated by my interference if I don't even know it's happening. So that, that's one thing I'm working on. Another is a poetry chapbook, which I am pretty proud of. And it is, I'm going to be doing a reading there at my friend's uh, bookstore that I'm going to talk him into opening. And then once the bookstore is opening, I'm going to go ahead and um, remind him that he made a promise to book me to read. And then I'm going to go ahead and I am going to read my poetry and very slowly. I'm going to lot. They, the introductions alone will take probably 20 minutes at home. I'm going to draw my reading glasses down. I'm going to look over them at the audience. And uh, I might grow my beard out real white. So, oh, that fella. Listen to him. He has mastered, he's mastered language. So those, that's the thing I'm working on. I've got up to eight film ideas. And uh, not full films, just ideas. For instance, first idea is a Western. Second film idea is um, the story of this guy who uh, finds out that he's dying, but uh, it's, it's in a Western. So they're all Westerns, really, when I'm thinking about it. Um, and then let's see, what else am I doing? couple record albums, few record projects I want to do. I want to make um, vinyl, really thick, thickest vinyl ever made I want to make. I want to make a, a, an LP with the vinyl is so, it's so thick that the whole thing looks like a, it looks like a small manhole cover. And it's just, you almost can't lift it. Well, I mean, literally it's the weight of of like 20 records stacked together. My m mother had a record player that had that 45 column in the mid, you could stack 45s. So it had this big thing that looked like a, I don't know what it, it's weird. I can't, I don't want to describe it. But then you put the 45 records on it and one would drop and play it, you know. And then when it was over, another one would play, drop down and play. And so you could have up to 400. Our little thing went to the, all the way past the ceiling. You could stack them there all day long. I don't even know how it worked. I don't think it did work. There was a type, I think it still exists, but there was a type of children's music box fake record player, like a Fisher-Price one. Now, they don't make them the way they used to make them. They're, they're phony now, but they used to actually drag like tines across a plastic disc that has, I hate when I say nostalgic things like that, because then I know that people do, I'm going to stop listening to the show and go get one of those. <laughs> it sends people off on a tangent. That's not such a bad thing. If I was given tours, that would happen. Get about a quarter of the way through, and I'd go, why don't you go home and try to make one? So we'd get to it like we'd get to a Court uh, Schwitter's collage in a museum, and I'd go, hey, everybody right now, go home and go through your garbage can and try to find some things that go, and then make a composition using your understanding of color and shape. Go for it. Have fun. Infinite. Everything in the world, all the world, the discarded world is your palette. And then we'd break it up, and maybe they'd, the next day, you get farther in the tour. Who knows? But I do like to, I do like to latch on to that 
inspiration. I mean, if you're doing that, if you're going on and say, I'm going on this hike and we're going to, we're looking for wild horses and then we're going to jump on them and ride. Well, if in your first five minutes out, this wild horse runs by really close, like ride on and jump close, then you're going to do it. I mean, there's no point in just marching around out there for two hours if the thing you need happens in the first few seconds. That's the way I am with movies. I see a movie. Sometimes I get everything I need in like 10, 15 minutes. I go, I'm done. That was great. I'm sure there's more, but I'm good. I'm inspired now. I'm going to do that. Go do that thing. Or I'm going to make that thing. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm... Uh, I choke. You hear a lot of. There's so much phlegm going around these days. People have more phlegm now than when they when I was young, and that there's just more of us, and so there's more disease, and there's more things to choke on, and everything like that. But uh, it's okay, you know. We all we're all cough together or something. I am glad whenever you're in a state of. It's uh, so blissful to be surrounded and in by love and it doesn't happen all that often sometimes it happens in really horrible situations where you're you're broken and then you 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 have all these people around you surrounding you with with love and in your brokenness you feel that love and its power and its healing power and it buoys you and how almost euphoric it can be at your darkest time, and you think, are we walking around with this power all the time, and we're just breaking it out in emergencies? And because I've seen human beings, even um, you know, mean, stupid ones, sometimes uh, be capable of tenderness but they save it, you know? Like, what are you saving it for? Like when people collect stuff and go, I've got these all these figurines and they're all sealed up where I can't touch them and experience and smell them. And what are you saving it for? Open the box, we're all gonna die. Open the box and smell your Star Wars figurine right now. Sniff it, go taste it even. It's not gonna kill you. Stick that... Bite Jar Jar Binks' head off with your teeth like a child would. Go in there with life and, and face it. Come on in. See this other, see us, come on in. When I was, I was so scared. See, oh, there's a whole bunch of kids in there. I don't want to go in there. They're going to be mean to me. And you don't know because, you know, they've come uh, from other, you know, crazy adults might have raised them or something. So I was always terrified to be with my peers. And everything. I was always hoping. I hope they. Get, I hope they got good lessons at home, and they're not going to throw the rocks at my head. Sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Oh, I approach you now as if we were on that playground, and I'm Hardy White, and I'm a new kid, and I do some things well, and other things I don't do well, and I generally like myself, so I'd hopefully nobody beat me up or throw rocks at my head. And if we do become friends, maybe we can play music. I like to do food things, eating or cooking like that or something like that. And uh, I'll be in, uh, if you're doing a play, I would love to be in it. 
Also, I'll do it for free if you'll be in my play. I'm used to um, being involved in arts collectives, and they're broad, and and so everybody has different disciplines and everything. So you work on my project, I'll work on your project. This is how most of the amateur movies get made. I'm an amateur filmmaker, Hardy. I know. I, I know. I know who's listening. You don't think I know who's listening? You know, I'm saying right now, you're an amateur filmmaker and you're working with friends. You are engaged in such a beautiful, immediate undertaking that is capable of connecting not just with people who see the finished product, but with those who are making the thing together, to being together, getting a, having a cup of coffee, going out to that stupid field and everybody acting like it's 1819 or something. Oh, the blessing, the joy in it, making each other laugh, pretending to be killed by vampires, being together, uh, looking out for one another like that. And if you're used to doing it in those situations, or if you aren't, bring it to every endeavor. Bring that. Go ahead. Go in with full vulnerability and willingness to cooperate with a... a the new kids wager. I'm gonna I'm gonna act the way that I want the people receiving me to act. And let's see what happens. And if they don't, that's on them. Then we'll we'll recalculate. <laughs> but right now I will go in not being defensive. I was very defensive when I was young. I used that as a strategy for a while. Because of people making fun of my weight and uh, and and my and my schoolwork and everything like that. And so I would, I got, it made me scared. I was very, very scared of not fitting in. And so I got, I would get defensive too. You know, you, 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 you put out what you're shown a lot of times. So I didn't, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to react to not being loved. And, uh, you know, it did, it did feel personal when you're little. And gosh, I, uh, some must have been aware. Somebody counted me. I was noticed. Somebody wasn't afraid of the numbers. They came for me. And they saw that I was lost. And I was shown some compassion. And I was won over to, the, to their ways. The ways of noticing. The ways of patience. The way of, of, of tenacious... Uh, helping or tenacious nutrition uh, providing how to try to figure it out in the long run and now I've got some of you I know what you need and I can fix you up a fancy version of it and others I'm just I'm putting stuff in front of you and then I'm not going to serve you twice what you spit out I hope I probably will because I won't the person next to you is gobbling it up. I don't know what to do. I'll just I'll make you something different. There's no problem. I love it. I love it. Variety. My goodness. You know, I tell you, um, if I'm not your cuppa, so that's a short for a cup of tea. It's an expression. It's, I mean, it's not my taste. Consider this. Is there something else you can do with me? So if, besides drink me. So if you don't like the way I taste, can you... Like if I had tea I didn't like, what could I use it for without wasting it? 
I guess I could try to get rust off a of metal or something. Oh, uh, <gasps> you could dye something with it. Tea does that. Tea stains. So you could use it for art. And I've seen people like drip, drip coffee, paint with coffee. So yeah, make the, yeah, that's it. So take all the parts that are so not your cup of the real strongest parts and use them to make something. Now that you could say, well, how do I do that? Well, you could sample the show. You could take my words and put them in a different order or something. All I ask is you don't put them in a hurtful order. I don't want to, uh, you know, make things worse. <laughs> but, you know, I can't control that, I guess. People could cut up what I say and put it together. I don't think I'm important enough to do that, hopefully. Um, no. Okay, well, I don't know. I might be. No, you're not. I don't, you don't know. There could be, I could there be a pocket where I'm like, boy, Hardy, he's like the best ever. You don't know, though. You don't know. I mean, I've had lots of people say very nice things about me and like the show, and I accept it. I accept it. I am not going to reject your uh, love or your kindness. So if you tell me the show has helped you, I, I never say, oh, come on, or I never go around bad-mouthing it. Why would I do that? I believe you. I absolutely believe you. And I don't even feel, uh, I don't feel pressured to do it again necessarily. You know, so you really, you really helped me that time I was, uh, needed a, you know, an extra shoe. And I'd say, great. I can't, I'm out of shoes, so I can't do it again, but I'm glad that time helped. That's how I feel about it. I don't, I don't feel like, oh, now I gotta go into the shoe business. So I, I hopefully I accept it. And I can maybe do some other things, too. This helped me with uh, uh, art and that kind of uh, helping or making or, you know, just go around and don't feel pressured necessarily to give the same thing all the time. It can be of great service in a variety of different ways at different times in your life or different times of the day. Don't always have to be, don't always have to help in obvious ways. Not hurting is helping. Right? You ever seen that sign at, uh, at the mechanics or something that says, uh, $10 an hour if I do it, $20 an hour if you help. And that's just saying that I would, this would be a better, more efficient job if you just let me do it or something. So you can, sometimes you got to know when to just not make things worse. That's a thing too. So say so today I'm going to go, I'm just not going to be, I know that make, uh, being a jerk sometimes makes me feel good, like yelling at that clerk. Oh, I'm going to yell at that delivery person, you know? Oh, I didn't get my, why, this is the third time I didn't get my egg roll. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What are you people doing? What do you mean, you people? What do you want? Oh, you're inefficient, blah, 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 hell's bells. You know, oh, gosh, here come the bees. He said, well, you should have known he was going to get stung. Well, there we go. You know, now, what good of you? Do you have your, do you have your egg roll? Because isn't that what you want? Did that get you your egg roll? I always think that when people just scream and say, you don't, I didn't get my hamburger, so I'm going to slap somebody. I'll go, oh, well, uh, now here's your hamburger. Unless you're, uh, if you slap them and the hamburger flies out of their ear, then I guess yes. 
you, you've gotten what you want. But generally, that is not how you, you know. So you got to understand that sometimes when you, when you feed that beast, you have to skip a meal. Ooh, I like that one. I'm going to send that to, who can I send that to? Just, well, you just said it. I know, but I feel like it needs to be said again. I'm going to send, put it in my, I have a newsletter for Just for Clergy. And uh, it's called Just for Clergy. And it's like jokes and things like that. And little, did you know, did you know the Bible was written in ancient times? I'll say stuff like that. And then they could work it into the sermon or not. And little jokes, you know, uh, a rabbi, a Presbyterian minister, and uh, a me- somebody was raised, well, Baha'i faith. But they, they're looked around a little. They've come back to, oh, it's complicated. Um, but they walk in. They all walk in to the Civic Center. Go see a big show. Who is it? It's a small band very far away. And the rabbi says, ah, this is ridiculous. I cannot, uh, I, can't even, I can't see anything. I'm not done. That joke is one. I'm, that's for the next month's newsletter. So I'm not even done with that one. I don't even know why I introduced it. I'm so sorry. I should have, uh, I should have edited. I should do more editing. I know what I'm going to do. This is the first time I've ever done that. I'm going to go back over this show and I'm going to cut it all. I'm going to edit it. I'm going to take out and put stuff in so that I say exactly what I want to say. You know, because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be careless. So I'm going to wing it. I've done that with things like that. Like sometimes I've, I got on this kick where I was pretending to be a surgeon and I would show up at the hospital and I was like, man, so much is attitude, you know, and I'm just going to wing it. And then one day it was like serious surgery and it was so far beyond because usually I could run out, do a YouTube video tutorial, come back, boom, boom, bang, bing. But this was like really subtle nerve stuff. And I finally had to, I went, I'm a big phony. And, you know, and, and the patient lived, but it was so stupid, my arrogance. So now I prepare. And before I even got on the radio today, I went to Radio Monologist School. And who took, who took me to that school? Well, lots of, lots of people from the past. <laughs> I've, been taken, I've been taken to school by the, the best in the field. And, uh, but here I am putting my, putting my two cents out and I've, I've ruined them for collectors because I've polished my two cents. Now you're not supposed to do that because you take off the patina. I'm kidding. I left on the patina. You will, there's nothing but patina on this. The whole radio station is covered with this stuff that grows on all kinds of metal, not just metal, every genre, um, folk. Oh, my goodness, it's been so great to be with you. You are listening to Miracle Nutrition, and I hope it worked. You're listening to it on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope 91.9 in Rockland County in New York City, New York, and online at WFMU.org worldwide. That's what you're listening to it all over the world, where there is a kind of a hush. Oh! 
but there won't be for long because the next show's so good. It's going to chase all the hush out of everything. Thank you for joining me, and I will see you again next week.